This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So, I got a good one here. See, I always, I don't preach like, who's going to be at that service tonight? I always preach like, what's going on in my life? What have I just overcome? So, I always call this my ongoing series of preaching to myself. Okay? So don't ever think like, oh my God, why is, he, why is he trying to talk like that? I'm preaching about stuff that, that either I've been through, going through, have been through, might go through, who knows. Tonight's title is called Don't Freak Out. Like, don't freak out because of a slight echo. But don't freak out. Have you ever felt the weight of the world on your shoulders? Yep. Don't lie. I know you have. Feel like everything's going wrong with no end in sight? So have I. But tonight we're going to talk about some lessons I've learned and still learning that may help you not freak out. Okay? So, when you hear this, I always hear this one movie with this famous actor, you know, saying, do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? So when I always say this part, I always hear, can you listen to the words that are coming out of God's mouth? So how many times do we hear... Well, actually, let's go to Jeremiah 29.11 real quick. Jeremiah 29.11. It's an oldie, but a goodie, and it'll help you. But how many times do we hear that verse of Jeremiah 29.11 saying, For we know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's pretty good, right? But even though we hear that and have heard it, and maybe highlight it in our Bible, maybe hear it at church, but when sometimes when problems come up, we might freak out. Even if it's for like a split second. even Or even if it's like, you know, hey, we're doing real good, but today I had a bad day, I was freaking out. Sometimes we freak out about a healing, either for ourselves or a family member. Sometimes we might freak out about a job promotion. God, I've been there. Or about family members' salvations. And sometimes we'll freak out when those answers don't come as quick as we would like them to. Because how many times have we said, like, oh, gosh, I've been praying about this, I've been praying about this, I've been standing in agreement, and it still hasn't happened. And then sometimes that's when the freakout happens. We know what God's Word says, and it's not that we don't understand it, but sometimes we're just too stubborn to actually put into action and relinquish the control to God. Because that's what it's that's what it's all about is giving God all the control. Because you can sit here and I have a family member and I mean I'm not confessing bad things about them, but they always read the Bible. They say, but they're always going through something. And then I said, well, are you applying what you're reading every day to your life? And they couldn't give me the same answer. They couldn't say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing that too. So it's a two it's a two step thing. You have to read God's word, yes. And then you got to apply God's word to your life. Because I can go on and on, like this morning, I meant it. I could have went on and on about trusting God with my finances. I could have went forever. I can go on and on about trusting God with my career, or trusting God about my health, or my children's health, or my wife's health. But like I said, sometimes we're just too stubborn. So let's go to Psalms 81. And we're going to look at verses 
11 and 12. Psalm 81, 11 and 12. And Ryland's doing the clapping. No whistles from Ellis, I guess. Oh, you did? I didn't hear you whistle. Psalms 81, 11 and 12 says, But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. Israel did not want God around. Think about that. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Is that like not someone like looking into your life at one point or another saying, man, well, they're not listening to me, so let them do what they want. How many times, parents, have we said that to our kids? You're not listening to me, so then fine, just do what you want. Right? I should get that tattooed in my hand so I don't have to say it anymore. Just like, you know, really read the hand. Don't talk to the hand. Read it. So the Israelites, they got stubborn. Many times, even after God, think about all the times God delivered them. He just, they're already at this point in Psalms, they're already at the promised land. So imagine, they've already seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've already seen all these miracles happen. They've already seen food come out of nowhere. Shade in the, in the daytime. Heat at nighttime. They've already seen all that, but still, they're in their new land and they're still stubborn. Just like them, we hear God, but sometimes we think we know best. And that's when the trouble starts. When you think like, okay, I know... It says, give 10% to God. But does God need 10%? You know, if, if this family's over here, they're giving their 10%, and that family's giving 10%, well, why don't I just get five, and I can just, you know, I'm giving still. That's not what God said. Or if you're, if you're just thinking about, well, King, you know what? I know I, I should trust God, but I need to look up on WebMD about my symptoms. You know, I know it says trust in God, because don't get me started about medical miracles. You know, he I don't know where he went, but there's two medical miracles on that front row. My nephew Thomas, my son Rylan, and in the back, struggling to pay attention, is my other son Eli. If I didn't trust, if I was like, oh, okay, you know what, I, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to go yell at the doctor, and if I yell at him enough and get caring on them, they're going to cure my son. It didn't work. It don't work. So you have to listen to the words that are coming out of God's mouth. Another thing I've learned, have learned, still learning, is trust the process. So I got this. I'm not a Philadelphia 76ers fan by any means. But that's where I heard this from, exactly. You know, go Lakers. But they always said, trust the process. And that's what we have to do. Just like with, with going back, I hate to go back to finances, but that's a really good one. You go back to your finances, you have to trust the process, that you can't just give your tithe once or twice off of one or two paychecks and then feel like, oh, okay, I did enough. It's not working. So why am I giving up that? Because I need to pay my electric bill. I need to pay my water bill or my car note or whatever. Fill in the blank. You have to trust the process. You have to, like, see it through. You have to trust God with it. You know, just because you can't see the point doesn't mean there isn't one. 
Let's go to Proverbs 14.12. Woo! That's my son, so I guess he has to clap. Proverbs 14.12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. That's us, like, leaning on our own understanding. That's us trying to do it our way. That's us thinking that we know best. You know, it looks good, but it might have disastrous effects. I mean, I can only imagine what kind of door I opened that the devil was attacking my little boy. But I sure knew this, that I had to pray to God, and I prayed. I said, God, you know what? If I sowed any seeds that was planted, that, that is bringing all this negativity onto my house, well, then I pray for crop failure, for all that negativity that I planted. Like I said, my experience with Eli's first few years taught me to trust God's plan. For the few first few days of his life, I didn't see a bouncy baby boy. I seen a kid half conscious on a little ICU bed with IVs and tubes and, and monitors all over him. That's, that was the first two weeks of my Eli's life was in that hospital. But I'll tell you this, me and Leah didn't flip out because every single night, I was there the first two days with him because Leah had a C-section, so it took her a while to get down there. But each day, we kept saying, this is the day, he's going home today. But then we would walk out the hospital, go back to our hotel room without Eli. And then we'd go back to the hospital the next day and we'd be like, you know what, today's the day. We're going home today with Eli. Today's the day. And it'll fast forward two weeks. He stayed there two weeks. But guess what? On that two-week day, day number 14, that was the day. Because I trusted the process. We trusted the process. Before Eli's birth and health battles, I stood dedicated to God's promises for eight years. Eight years of... Hearing God's word, being dedicated to God's word. Eight years of listening to Pastor Dave's testimony. I challenge anybody, whoever says like, oh God, is he saying that testimony again about his uh, leukemia? I guarantee you, one day that's going to come in handy. Because on November 28, 2016, or 2020, when was Eli born? I don't know. Sometime in November, when he was born, the day he was born. That's when, when I became battle ready. That's when all those healing verses that I've learned, all those healing testimonies that I heard about, all came into play and I was ready. And I, you know what? I admit to you, there was one time in those two weeks where I just lost it. And it was just like, you know, there was my minor freak out. It was from the hotel, hotel to the hospital. Because I just got the call saying, you know, your, your son stopped breathing. We had to put him on an incubator or an uh, incubator. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I watched so much ER. I should know better. But I was, I was battle ready for that, for that time. That was eight years prepared me. Even when Rylan was born, there wasn't a month that wouldn't go by where me and Rylan 
weren't in the, the emergency room together. They were saying, like, oh, your son has severe asthma, you know, this, that, whatever, and we weren't hearing it. You know, we were fresh into this church, and we were like, you know what? If this healing's going to work, it's going to be battle-tested on Ryland. And sure enough, we went from telling our little boy who was going to be asthmatic, not very active, to like, holy moly, we can't keep that kid sitting still. Yeah. There's a lot of amens for seeing Riley running around. You've probably seen him in front. But speaking about being battle-tested, you know what you need? You need to make God your battle buddy. So I work, I'm a contractor for the Army. So I hear all these Army terms all the time. So if you don't know what a battle buddy is, I'm sure every branch of the military has their term, but the term for the Army is battle buddy. And it's defined as a partner assigned to a soldier in the United States Army. Each battle buddy is expected to assist his or her partner both in and out of combat. So why shouldn't we make God our battle buddy? Because he's there for us in the good and the bad. He was there for me when Ryland was in the emergency room. He was there with me when Ryland was making all-stars and going to the President's Cup and all that good stuff. He was there with me when my marriage was going through through crisis after crisis. He was there for me when me and Leah are just looking at each other and just having a good time like a couple of teenagers. He's there for you in the good and the bad times. So you have to make God your battle buddy. Don't make him a lifeguard. Don't make him... Come reach out for you in your time of crisis. Don't seek him out like, oh, because you know what? Ready for some confession time? I did that. I was like, okay, you know what? The lukewarm that Pastor Dave was talking to you about this morning, that was me. I was like, you know, I'm going to skate by. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm doing just enough. I'm doing just enough to get by. I'm doing just enough so my life is pretty cool. But I was wrong. I wasn't battle-tested, and I wasn't taking God seriously, and I waited for him to come save me like a lifeguard. Oh, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Come save me, God. And that's how a lot of us treat him. We're not walking with him. Because when, when you're drowning and you're walking with God, you know what happens? God just swoops you right back up, and you just keep on walking. He lifts you right out of that water, and he's like, okay, come on. He fell down, just like I do with Ryland sometimes. If he falls down and trips or whatever, I'm like, all right, you're good. Or if he falls down on the soccer field and he's near me, I'm like, you're okay, bud. Get up. Get going. You're good. And 50% of the time, he is. If he, if he flops and stuff, I, you know how like when the kid gets up from getting hurt and everybody claps? I usually say, don't clap for him, he's faking. But dad can always say that. Let's go to John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. So that's saying... You stick with God, you keep him close by, a lot of good stuff's going to happen. Apart from me, 
You can't do nothing. But then you're asking yourself, well, you know, why are bad things still happening to me when I am walking close to God? Well, it's simple. There's another God, the God of this world, that's chasing after you just as hard. Because you're pro- I wish I could come up here and say, you know what? 13 years ago, when I walked through those wooden double doors, that my problems instantly went away. I will tell you this. I've had a lot of problems in those 13 years, but those, these have been the best 13 years of my life. I'm serious. I'm 42 years old. Do the math. Those, these have been the best 13 years of my life. God has turned all that junk into good now. You know, as Joyce Meyer always says, turning your trash into treasure. That's what he did with me. But it's, your, it's in God's plan to be part of his team. Think about it. You have to be part of God's team. There's a holy trinity. It doesn't say the holy solo, right? It's just the holy trinity. That's a team. Think about the great teams in the Bible. you got Jesus and his disciples. Noah and his family. You know, he didn't build that by himself. you got a family project. You get those kids involved. And then Moses and Aaron. Study the Bible, and when Moses was too tired to hold his hands up when parting the Red Sea, Aaron was right there next to him, holding up those hands for him. It's a team effort. I always joke, mostly at work, but a little bit at home, but mostly at work. I always say teamwork makes the dream work. And it's true. I, it's a corny little saying, but it's true. You know, I joke about it and I say it in like lightheartedness, but it's true. Teamwork does make the dream work. Let's go to Psalms 42.11. I need to slow down. I'm going way too fast for this. I thought I had more pages on this. Psalms 42.11 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. I kind of feel like that's how I am sometimes. I'm like, why am I nervous about this? Why am I, why am I freaking out? You know, I'm going through personal situations, but you know what I tell myself? Exactly this. Why am I discouraged? I mean, the Bible is chock full of encouragement. Sometimes we just put our, like, world blinders on. You know, a lot of you know, you know, for a while, I I would wear my, my, my shades indoors and outdoors. Now look it. I got my clear glasses on. You know, I, I still felt cool, but you know, I mean, at 42, you gotta drop the, the, the biker look once in a while. You know, I got tired of people saying they were scared of me. You know, like I told you before, I may be quiet by favorite, but that's my job to look intimidating and quiet. But you have to, you have to trust God. You have to relinquish control. Because if you're a control freak, if you're that type of person that just has to have their hands on everything and has to know, 
what's going to go on, what's going to happen. You feel like crazy if you don't know, you know about the future. You just have to learn. Now I'm going to nerd out on you guys for a second, okay? I have to nerd out. I'm not going to, believe it or not, Jose, I'm not going to use a Star Wars reference. I'm not. But it is George Lucas, Steven Spielberg-ish. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. See? So in one of the Indiana Jones movies, he's, you know, he's weaving in and out of the, the, the secret temples and whatnot. And he comes to a park where there's supposed to be a bridge, but there's no bridge. And that's like uh, in this little map, I believe, or his little tablet. I don't know what it was, but, you know, it says like it's like the, the step of faith. You know, there's nothing there, but it says there's something there. But he sees that there's nothing there. So what did he have to do? He had to relinquish all control. He had to give up everything in his natural mind of saying, okay, there's supposed to be a bridge here, but there's not a bridge here, and it's really far down there, but it says to trust the instructions. Trust the instructions. And he walked across, and there was the bridge. It was there the whole time. He just couldn't see it. And like I said before, just because you can't see the point doesn't mean there isn't one. And sometimes you've got to take a step back. You know, sometimes if you're just like, you know, one of those busy bodies that are just like all up in everything, you know, sometimes you just got to like step back and like analyze the situation. You have to, you know, sometimes you just have to like, okay, you know what? If all the chaos is happening over here, and then, you know, maybe I just need to take a step back over here and then just dig hard into my word. Pray. Seek some help for my friends or for my pastors or whatever. Because I, honest to God, I believe that our stepping back when Eli was in the intensive care was going back to that hotel. Now, on any other occasion, staying at the Hilton, me and Leah would have just been like super excited and like, yes, we're staying at the Hilton. For free. But like, I mean, our son's in the hospital, so we couldn't enjoy it too much. But that was like, that was us stepping back, able to sit back, pray, access the situation, realize what's going on. And by the way, if you ever stay at the Doubletree Hilton, they give out free warm cookies anytime you want to. You just go down to the front desk. They knew me and Leah very well. Because like, I mean, we may have been anxious about, you know, our son being in the hospital, but we always made time for cookies. And then I, it's in the title, but you got to stop freaking out. If you're a worrywart, sometimes we all act like that. You may know somebody, and if you don't know somebody, that might be you. But you have to just stop freaking out. Not everything has to be a crisis. Sometimes if you think about, uh, I think Pastor used it once, a long time ago. He talked about a sponge. And whatever that sponge sucks up, it's now inside the sponge. So when it's squeezed, that's what's put out. So if you're not filling your heart with God's word, if you're not trusting God with everything, when you get squeezed, what's going to be coming out of you? All that worry and stuff. I always told, 
I tell Leah, I tell my kids, I tell everybody, what, was God, what is worrying going to do? When have you ever read in the Bible? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a full-time pastor. But I do know this. Nowhere in the Bible has said, and God blessed them for worrying so much. I've never seen it. If you do, I'll, I'll give you a hundred bucks right now. It sure didn't happen because, you know, my son is not healed right now. Both my sons are not healed right now. My marriage ain't healed right now. My finances are not secured right now because of worry. Never has that ever happened. You have to realize that God is in control. God knows the outcome. When I was putting this together last night, I thought of like a traffic jam. And I thought of like, you know, sometimes when you're in a traffic jam, you know, you want to, you want to make that little swerve to the, to the side thinking that you're going to see, well, where's the engine side? You know, what's going on here? You know, who's holding things up? But you know what I think of? I think of like the traffic helicopter. You know, like the AM radio traffic helicopter overhead being like, okay, Jim, it's looking bad down here. We have a 10 car pileup. That's what I think. But they could see ahead. And that's God. God's not announcing all the bad, but God's saying, you know, hey, I could see ahead. It's clearing up. Just hold off just for a little bit. Stay patient. Cool out. Turn on your AC. Listen to some music. Calm down. He knows the outcome. He knows the bullprints. You know, I'm, you, you, I think you're starting to get the, the point of all my analogies and illustrations. You know, he knows the bullprints. He knows how, uh, he knew how this church was going to look before it was even built. Before one brick, before one cubic foot of cement was ever poured. He knew how it was going to turn out. He knew how the carpet was going to look. He knew who was going to be sitting in these chairs. He knew who wasn't going to sit in the chairs. He knows. And it's like, why are we fighting the natural order? God is supernatural. But think about how they say sometimes, you know, like, you know, that's just not the natural order. You know, I mean, my gosh, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But, you know. All these little letters that say, you know, like, you know, this is just God's plan and everything. That's not natural. Like, it's not natural to, you know, to see certain things. You know, if you looked up into the sky and saw that it was purple, you'd be like, well, that's, that is not right. You know, sometimes I go up to Leah, you know, in the room, be like, Leah, what's this? You know, it just doesn't look right. When we pray, when we go on big trips... One thing I always say is I pray over our vehicle and I say, Father God, I pray that this vehicle runs the way you intended it to. You know, I'm not looking for a fast and furious Vin Diesel speed. I just want my minivan to get from point A to point B without falling apart. And to have some good gas mileage along the way. And find a good gas station. You can't fight the natural order. You can't fight the supernatural order. Just like I said before, concerning finances, you can't say, okay, you know what, God, get me a good job. I wish I had a better job. You know, I stood for years as a laborer where I worked. And then 
I was always trying to like jump the gun, trying to do something, you know, to push things along. I wasn't following the supernatural order by relinquishing control, letting God take his place, and always trusting God at the right time. The blessings are going to happen. When I got promoted, was at the right time. Absolutely was the right time. But why do we think we can do better? That's what you have to ask yourself. You, you have to tell yourself, like, okay, if God can do all this, if God can cure my son, then why am I thinking I can do better in this area? If God pulled you out of this hole, then why are you going to think, like, okay, I'm, I'm in some trouble right now, but I got it. I can handle this. We should know better by now by thinking, like, okay, you know what? God will get me through this because he has before. And that's what you need to tell yourself. And you need to be praying in those times and not freaking out when things don't look right. Things don't look right in this world right now. I'm not freaking out. You know, think about, I don't even know how long. It seems like forever ago. But when this pandemic started, how many people think you freaked out? Yeah. Like, why are you taking toilet paper when there's a, a airborne disease going on? You know, people freak out. I mean, like, I never thought when years and years ago, those of you who lived in Barstow, remember when we had this big water crisis? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you a story about that real quick. So, I think I came home from work, and Leah's like, oh, do you hear about what's going on? I was like, yeah, it's crazy, huh? She's like, maybe we should go stock up on water. I'm like, yeah, maybe we should. So we started going from store to store, and, like, we went to one store, and people are just like, you know, like any kind of, like, uh, you know, disaster movie you can think of. Everybody's, like, rushing the store and grabbing their cases of water and this and that. And then we went to another store. And then finally, me and Leah just, like, looked at each other. We're like, why are we freaking out about this? We haven't prayed once about this situation. We prayed about it, and I kid you not. Tom called Leah. Tom's Leah's dad. Leah's my wife. So there you go. So giving you a quick family tree. But Tom called Leah and said, hey, I'm down at, uh, I think it was Winco. He was like, hey, I'm down at Winco in Victorville. I'm picking up water. How many cases do you think I should get? So as me and Leah were having our minor freak-out moment here in Barstow, Tom was nice and calm down in Victorville picking up cases of water. Our prayer was answered. Our prayer was already on the move. We just had to, like, stop freaking out to let God work. We had to, you know, go back on this lesson, go back to, you know, we had to trust the process. We had to trust God with our battle buddy. He wasn't going to let us be without water. That's like the natural, that's... What did I just say? The natural order. Why fight the natural order? God knows we need water to survive. We trust God. You know, I feel like this is like a math equation. I'm writing it on the chalkboard. We need water to survive. We trust God. Equals trust God. It's all going to be okay. Don't freak out. I'm telling you, we can't do better. I'm bringing this all down now. I'm winding it all down. But we can't do better. I promise you, we can't. No matter how much you think you, you can one-up God or handle it yourself or think like, you know what, hey, I'm going through this crisis right now, but I'm going to be all right. I don't need church. I'll watch it online. It'll be fine. I, hey, I'm reading my Bible every day. It'll be cool. 
You have to do that, all that, and then some. Because the crisis won't just go away by worrying. The crisis won't go away by running away from it. Because if you try to run away, run away from your problems, the problems are going to follow you or they'll be there when you come back. I guarantee you. You know, I used to watch this movie and the, the, the couple was going, uh, they're having like a crisis. And he's like, you know, uh, the lady was saying, I want a divorce. He was like, no, 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 before you go on a divorce, let's go on a family vacation. Everything's going to be great. And he, she goes, no, we can't do that because if we go on vacation, the problem's going to be there when we come back. And then the guy goes, well, then we'll just move. Yeah, sorry. That was a good one, though. I can't, I can't tell you the movie up here, though. So, I have a very, you know, usually, you know, when Pastor Dave does his message and Pastor does his message, you know, they have like, you know, a summary of everything and, and, uh, to bring it all home and everything. I told you this is a conclusion, but it's very simple. Very, very simple. Stop flipping out and realize God is in control. I mean, it's, that's it. That's the summary of my whole lesson. Stop flipping out. God is in control. If I would have said those words, dropped the mic and walked out, I think my point would have been made. But Alex and Tom had me hooked up to a couple of mics, so I can't just drop my mic and walk out. But that's the conclusion now, everyone. That's it. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.